0: Guillaume Perretier admired himself in the Venetian mirror. With the satisfied smirk of a silver fox, he smoothed his grey sideburns. He studied the noble looking wrinkles time had left on his forehead, around his eyes, and at the corners of his mouth. Signs of his experience and accomplishments, he liked to think. But narcissistic moments like this were utterly private. He was too cunning to dwell on his looks or gloat about his money in public. He knew how jealous underlings were, how those without his standing harbored bitter feelings, and how the poor bore pathological hatred. He gave these people a ration of understanding smiles and occasional winks of solidarity, and in return those he dealt with regularly appeared to hold him in esteem. In fact, more than a year after the much-publicized sale of his empire to a Swedish group, Guillaume Perriatar's former employees— were still talking about him. The workers missed his good natured approach, the managers his high standards, and the secretaries his gentle teasing. He never fooled anyone, but a paternalistic taskmaster at the helm was better than a troop of spreadsheet driven businessmen bent on ramming quarterly objectives down everyone's throat. Piritia was patting his belly, which had grown rounder with the passing of each profitable year, when the phone rang echoing in the living room of his mansion. He tightened the sash of his Daniel Hansen Italian silk dressing gown and hurried down the hallway. He found his cell on the beige leather sofa and picked it up. He recognized the voice at the other end and straightened his shoulders. "'I'll be in your office at two,' he said, his voice hoarse and his cheeks flushed. Veritia said goodbye and entered a number on his phone." As he waited for a response, he looked out the window and frowned at the sight of his neatly trimmed hedges and the postcard-perfect neighborhood beyond them. When he ended the call, he turned around to find his wife, Bérangère, glaring at him in the doorway. Benjamin Cooker glanced at the rear-view mirror and noted the dark circles under his bloodshot eyes. He'd been sleeping poorly. "'Boss, watch out!' Vergil shouted. The convertible swerved, barely avoiding the tanker that had failed to put on its turning signal before changing lanes. "'Arsehole! You can say that again,' Benjamin said, tightening his grip on the steering wheel. "'Boss, uh, I think perhaps—well, spit it out, Vergil. You're driving a bit fast, if you ask me.' "'I didn't ask you. We have an appointment at 2 p.m. on the nose. Punctuality is the politeness of kings, Vergil.' you know I don't like to be late. Benjamin's assistant scowled and slid down on his leather seat. Then you should let me drive, boss.